0: You're listening to the podcast of the biopharmaceutical section of the American Statistical Association. Statistics. 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 Statistics Hi folks and welcome to the big show. This is Richard Zink and you're listening to the podcast of the biopharmaceutical section of the American Statistical Association. This is episode forty-five and it features a conversation I had with Kelly Zoe on a topic of real world data and real world evidence while we were at the twenty seventeen joint statistical meetings in Baltimore. And before we listen to that podcast, I'd like to congratulate Wei Li He, Martin Ho, and the rest of the steering committee for the 2017 Regulatory Industry Statistics Workshop. Mm -hmm. This is the first time the meeting has hit capacity and sold out prior to the start of the event. Mm -hmm. And it's been very exciting to see the workshop grow over the last several years, and in particular to reach this new milestone. The success of the workshop reminds me of a little movie about a giant killer shark in New England and uh, it looks like we're going to need a bigger boat. As a reminder for these discussions, please note that people are sharing their personal opinions so please don't overinterpret their comments as representing the groups or organizations with which they participate. Now let's start the show. Hi folks, today I'm talking with Kelly Zo about real-world evidence. Uh, it's a joint statistical meetings in Baltimore in 2017. She's the senior director and analytic science lead at Pfizer. Hey, Kelly, thanks for joining me today to talk about real-world evidence.
1: Thank you, Richard, for inviting me. It's a great opportunity for us to get together and talk about uh, the topic of real-world data. Uh, first off, I would like to um, just have a disclosure um, that the views and opinions expressed in this interview are mine and may not necessarily reflect those of my employer, which is Pfizer, Inc.
0: Okay, thanks very much for that. Let's get started by finding out a little bit more about you. How did you become interested in statistics?
1: Richard, um, I grew up in Asia in my hometown of Shanghai, and it's a city in China and where students receive a fairly solid quantitative education during their teenage years. Um, I chose the major in mathematics and minor in physics during my undergraduate school years, followed by a combined master's and PhD degree in statistics. Well, um, interestingly, I stumbled onto statistics as a discipline completely by chance, although perhaps not a completely random event. I took a course in probability as a math major and was very much intrigued by the concept of uncertainty. I guess navigating in the face of uncertainty towards decisiveness is in fact a recurring theme when dealing with real world data. I recall that laboratory reports in my physics classes often contain linear and perhaps even non-linear regression analysis This type of training to seek signals and patterns out of a set of data points was quite beneficial for becoming a statistical lead, which was my last job function in my company, and currently I'm the analytic science lead um, at Pfizer. I had several jobs in two different sectors, ranging from academia to industry, My research topics and applications range from receiver operating characteristic analysis, validation of predictive modeling, Bayesian hierarchical methods, image analysis, time series, pragmatic trials, and observational studies, just to name a few.
0: Well, can you give us a little bit more detail about your current responsibilities at Pfizer?
1: Yeah, sure, Um, as mentioned, you know, just a moment ago. Currently, I am a senior director and analytics science lead in a center of excellence named Real World Data Analytics, in short, RWDNA, in the organization called Patient and Health Impact. And it's a large organization within the structure of Pfizer. My usual days are filled with being part of various cross-functional teams, and interacting with talented analytic experts, data scientists, not to mention, of course, we have statisticians and programmers. I work very closely with multiple stakeholders to leverage real-world data by collaborating with outcomes researchers, medical and clinical colleagues, epidemiologists, payer insight analysts, and liaisons to other organizations such as database companies, and so on. Besides multiple therapeutic and product areas, I interact with colleagues in the Asian Pacific region and in China um, as a large country in that region. Understanding various policies on privacy, protection, data access, storage, linkage, and regulatory landscapes are of very important um, needs for this type of analysis. And of course, collaboration and uh, presentations on real-world-based topics at national conferences like the JSM and also international conferences outside the US What occur from time to time.
0: Very good, now you're also very active with the American Statistical Association And uh, can you describe a little bit more about the various activities in which you're involved, uh, particularly here uh, at JSM?
1: Yes. Yesterday we were at the uh, elected ASA fellow reception for those new fellows. Very fortunately, I became one of these elected fellows in 2012, five years ago. Uh, currently, I chair the ASA Statistical Partnerships Among Academy, Industry, and Government, in short, SPAG. That's a committee within the ASA. It is a three-year term. Um, this committee aims to identify, lead, and promote initiatives that foster statistical partnerships or collaborations between at least two, or ideally, more than two entities across these three sectors Uh, namely academic, industry, and government sectors. Besides the state committee, I also serve as the chair-elect and incoming chair of the healthcare policy statistics section, in short, HPSS. The HPSS section focuses on strategies for improving the quality and reducing the cost of healthcare in the U.S. and abroad through uh, systematic use of quantitative statistical methods. Since the ASA is one of the organizational affiliates of Academy Health, my current three year role as a member of the Methods Council of the Academy Health may also bring some extra interactions and knowledge in the field of real world data and also big data as well as other related areas.
0: Well, big data and real-world data uh, or real-world evidence are terms that are often used uh, quite interchangeably. But what do these terms mean in in practice?
1: Well, first of all, let's look at the law, um, what it says about real-world evidence. According to Section 3022 in the 21st Century Cures Act in the U.S., the term real-world evidence means data regarding the usage or the potential benefits or risks of a drug derived from sources other than randomized clinical trials. As we know, um, the randomized trial, uh, clinical trials are the RCTs uh, that are considered as the gold standard of evidence. According to the International Society for Pharmacoeconomics and Outcomes Research, in short, ISPOR, real-world data reflects data used for decision-making that are not collected in conventional RCTs. And this definition is very consistent with the the definition um, given in the 21st Cures Act. Well, the term big data is a very popular term to characterize data with um, several Vs. And in short, the Vs could be volume, velocity, variety, and veracity commonly known as the four Vs. And sometimes um, people will know about the three Vs or sometimes more than even these four Vs. But in short, these are massive type of data. Well, the first documented use of the term big data appeared in an article by NASA scientists back in 1997. In fact, October 1997. A summary of the history of big data data can be found in media and also in literature. Well, um, big data is defined by its volume, which tends to be too high to be readily processed by standard database management or processing tools. Its variety, velocity, and veracity of its um, accrual will make leveraging this type of data quite challenging. In practice, real-world data can be big data when vast in quantity and multiple sources are combined.
0: Thanks for that clarification on uh, the difference between real-world data and big data. Now, there's in the regulatory environment, there's increased interest in using real-world data uh, in in medical product development. Can you discuss what has led to this interest and the improved acceptability of using these types of data in regulatory decision-making?
1: Yeah, Richard, um, medical product development and clinical research rely on sound and solid evidence. The gold standard, as we mentioned uh, earlier, is the randomized controlled trials, or RCTs. The RCTs are designed and conducted to assess the efficacy and safety to, uh, to support um, product approvals. Well, beyond traditional RCTs, Comparative Effectiveness Research, or uh, as, as known um, as the CER, is an essential tool for generating, gathering, and comparing evidence on the effectiveness of therapies and products. Outside the RCT world, other designs are frequently seen in the real world. Such designs include pragmatic trials where randomization agent, for example, counseling, may not be active medications versus the placebo. Besides observational studies uh, with non-RCT data, the increasing digitization of health records, transactions under health insurance plans, and over-the-counter and patients expressing their preferences through diaries or surveys have resulted in an accumulation of data Recent uh, explosion of digitized healthcare information and uh, the wealth of databases call for efforts to build collaborative consortia, integrated delivery networks, and distributed networks. These non-RCT data can be considered as real-world data for the purpose of generating insights and evidence.
0: Well, that sounds all very good, but well, what, are, what are some of the challenges of, of using uh, real-world data to generate this evidence?
1: Well, we were talking about evidence. Certainly, there are several challenges for the evidence standpoint. They not only require subject matter knowledge, but also quantitative analytic expertise to deal with unstructured and structured data. Missing mechanisms, data qualities, and potential biases would occur. Beyond statistical considerations, real-world data also require advances in technology, infrastructure, access, storage, linkage, algorithms, tools, connectivity, and above all, a vision for the future in terms of information flow and management. I guess that's a mouthful.
0: Well, despite these challenges uh, in using real-world data, What are some of the perceived benefits of incorporating this information into the medical product development process, uh, both from a sponsor and regulatory perspective? In other words, how can the inclusion of these data improve upon the current medical product development process?
1: Well, first of all, recent explosion of digitized healthcare information will call for efforts to build collaborative consortia Integrated delivery network and distributed networks, as I mentioned earlier already, payers and health technology assessment, also known as HTA agencies, have been using real-world data to inform formularies, pricing, and market access. In addition, real-world data is essential for supporting value-based agreements, such as outcome-based contracting and indication-specific pricing, Um, Furthermore, regulatory agencies and HDA bodies will have, they still have some mixed views on how to leverage real-world evidence in their decision-making processes.
0: What are some of the sources of real-world data?
1: Well, if you look in the literature, an eSport task force has defined real-world data um, as those reflecting data used for decision-making that are not collected in conventional RCTs. Well, that means that real-world data are not RCTs. But what kind of sources uh, are there? Well, the sources can be, first, supplements to traditional registration RCTs. Secondly, large, simple trials, also called uh, practical clinical trials. Third, registries. Fourth, administrative data. Fifth, health surveys six electronic health records, also known as EHRs, and medical chart reviews. Well, another way of looking at such data are uh, those that might characterize uh, real-world data. One characterization is by type of outcome uh, observed. For example, clinical, economic, and patient-reported outcomes. Well, another way to characterize relies on the evidence hierarchy.
0: There's also uh, an increase in the number of wearable technologies that companies are uh, using to collect data from patients. Uh, How has this proliferation of these new technologies impacted data collection and analysis?
1: Well, as you said, these are all examples of digital innovations, and such innovations can enable direct feeds from devices and wearables for capturing data from the real world. The Internet of Things, also known as IOT, has provided great opportunities to collect uh, various types of data, uh, particularly those um, either real-world data or big data. For example, micro-randomized trials in mobile health, also known as mHealth, may be designed prospectively for real-time experiments in which treatment assignments may be randomized at fractions of occasions over time. Well, besides these new innovative tools and designs, there are also legal challenges. For example, the definition of the age of majority across different U.S. states, United States, and technologies due to IoT, social media, sensors, devices, and gadgets will require novel software tools, analytic approaches, and, of course, statistical algorithms.
0: So you brought up statistical algorithms. Uh, Can you summarize some of the challenges regarding the analysis of uh, real-world data?
1: Well, in short, as real-world data can and tend to be big data, analytic challenges alone arise from those four Vs we already talked about. Uh, Those four Vs are volume, velocity, variety, and veracity. Well, several other challenges are also um, necessary for policies, regulations, infrastructure, business environment, generalizability and insights to actions to be um, part of those topics uh, to ensure the proper analysis of real world data. Well, very um, usefully, recently, Deloitte Center for Health Solutions has recommended the following several steps according to its Real World Evidence Benchmark Survey results conducted in 2017. First of all, developing an end-to-end evidence strategy that cuts across the entire product cycle, uh, known as the E2E strategy. Secondly, designing and implementing a platform and operating model that are grounded in an enterprise strategy to support working with real-world evidence across functions and franchises. Third, developing a data strategy and organizational capacity to engage in external partnerships with healthcare system stakeholders to gain access to and integration of the right data. Well, as mentioned, I currently chair the statistical partnership committee of the ASA, and we certainly encourage these types of partnerships across various sectors, including academia, industry, and government. Finally, employing data scientists with diverse backgrounds to challenge conventional ways of doing things. Well, um, as a requirement, um, the next generation of analysts would have solid knowledge Uh, not only statistics, but also data science, machine learning, and uh, other necessary tool uh, tool sets.
0: Well, Pfizer is using uh, real-world data and evidence in the study of Parkinson's disease. Can you discuss this ongoing work?
1: Yes. Um, An exciting example is the Blue Sky team between Pfizer and IBM to tackle Parkinson's disease. Well, I cannot speak on behalf of the entire team, but what I can say is that Peter Bergeson, who is the Vice President of Quantitative Medicine, Neuroscience, and Pain Research Unit at Pfizer, wrote something really uh, useful. He said that the Internet of Things, or IoT, has opened up a world of new possibilities for clinical research and disease treatment through remote monitoring, Using sensors, mobile devices, and advanced machine learning capacities, we are looking for new ways to track and measure a host of valuable patient data, measuring everything from mobility to sleep patterns, all in real time.
0: Well, final question, and you can look into the future and tell us what you see. Uh, what what do you envision are the major changes to medical product development and the regulatory environment uh, in the next 5 to 10 years?
1: Well, Richard, if I had a crystal ball, I would say that real-world evidence is a key component of the 21st Century Cures Act. Well, in terms of the next decade, it may increasingly be used to support research and development, such as RCT optimization and patient recruitment. Regulatory guidelines on real-world evidence may must be expanded, real-world evidence may also be used in combination with artificial intelligence, known as the AI, to define and target the right patient population and subpopulations through precision medicine. The access of and linkage among real-world data across various sources may pose challenges to governments and healthcare providers. Data lakes and cloud storage may bring more collaborative opportunities across different sectors, for example, public to private or government to academia, as well as patient privacy and data security concerns and debates. New technologies and automation may be necessary to aid processes and workflow for gaining insights.
0: Well, thanks very much for uh, sharing your thoughts with me today, Kelly, and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of uh, JSM, and uh, good luck with your work in the future.
1: Thank you, Richard. I particularly want to thank the biofarm section of the ASA, and also i like to acknowledge that... Uh, the Spake committee and also healthcare policy statistics committee are all behind and support collaborations. And I think in the era of real world data, such collaborations can really result in some exciting future. That will be my thought in terms of uh, the future of real world evidence and big data. Thank you, Richard.
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, thoughts on real world data and real world evidence with Kelly Zo. I want to remind everyone to check out the biopharmaceutical section website to see all of the interesting events coming up, including several section webinars. Be sure to register for those, and there's no reason not to, okay, because they're free for section members. Not a section member? Why don't you save yourself a bunch of money on registration fees by spending $8 to join the section? And by the way, if you're bored, check out the web pages uh, for the scientific working groups on the biopharmaceutical uh, section website. Next month features a conversation with Georgi Doros, Anastasia Ivanova, and George Papakostas about the clinical trial designs with re-randomization of subjects scientific working group. Finally, have an idea for a podcast? Send me an email at richard.zink at jmp.com. That's richard.zink at jmp.com. See you next time.